You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 12. Hello again, friends. We are back. We're back. We are recording this back-to-back with last week's supplemental, so... That's a thing. Enjoy, uh, enjoy jokes carrying over from that. Apparently. Because they're fresh in our minds still. I don't remember anything we said. I know we're playing it loose. We're still playing it loose. We're so loose. I say this because as you're listening to this, we are surely practicing our uh, live material and fucking panicking because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're like a week away and we don't know what to do, and we're flailing, and God help us. We're a week away? Uh, by, according, you know, when this posts, we <laughs> will be a week away. Yes. Yep. Excuse me. You and I currently are four and a half weeks away. Mm-hmm. Because that's how time travel works. And now we're going to hit Kelsey Grammer, and the Enterprise is going to explode. And it then explode again. Right. <clears throat> we, we, uh, Matt was out here this weekend visiting me in Seattle. We had, we had some stuff to do for the other show. Mm-hmm. And... We were talking about how we needed to do a couple of supplementals because we, you know, we didn't want you guys to go without show. No, we like posting something once a week, and so we're like, well, the supplementals don't have to be every season. We can do them whenever we want. I mean, we did those two Doctor Who ones sort of in the middle. Yeah, doesn't really matter. And we we're talking about there are a lot of big important things we could discuss. We we've had we had that great conversation about uh, economics in Star Trek that we have not been able to duplicate verbally. No, at all. Which is unfortunate, because we both remember it being great. <laughs> and we're sure that means that it actually is. Oh, of course. Not like that live material that we've done. No. Or will have done in three weeks. Or something. And we'll do again, that's the beauty of it. Look out, the Enterprise is exploding. <laughs> Damn it! We almost learned how to make it stop this time. Damn it! Hang we, on a we second, do... I think I hear some... Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah! Now we can stop... Oh, now the Enterprise exploded again. Oh, Mike's tripping. <laughs> Look out for Guccio. <laughs> yeah, these are jokes that are carrying over from episodes of Mystery Science Theater that... That we yeah. talked about this weekend. We we briefly, when we used to do theme shows on Sarcastic Voyage, talked about talking about MST3K. And then we realized that might be a little too meta. Yeah, you want to talk about a show that... <laughs> You also, you want to talk about something where we spend the entire episode quoting stuff? Mm. It's going to be Homestar Runner all over again. Mm. Or Homestar Track? No, that didn't work. Oh. At all. <clears throat> hey, I tampered in Matt's domain. What can I say? <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Yes, I should. As you always are, I assume. I've never felt shame in my life. What? Nope. I thought you took medication to not be shame. <laughs> I don't take... Uh, I have never felt... Shame since I started taking that medication. Anti-shame medication. Yep. <clears throat> that would explain why when you came to visit, you were wearing no pants and it didn't bother you at all. Yeah, it was rough getting over the border, but... Uh... <coughs> Actually, no, they didn't have to search your pockets. That's true. You made it easier They knew exactly what I had on me. Yep. And that was your penis. Yep. Welcome, new listeners. Nice to have you aboard. Yeah. We, we uh, after the panel, might... I don't think we have to change anything, but we might have to keep it in our heads that new people are listening. Yeah. Just to just to make it a little scarier for us. 
But as we find as we open the mail or as we hear from people on Twitter, there are people listening who are not in our core group of friends, and that's nice. That is nice. I think the overall impression is that we're doing this for a, a small core group, and while they're certainly a factor, mm-hmm. we regularly hear from people who just listen to the show because they searched for Star Trek on iTunes or they got our app yep. or any other number of reasons, which is which is great. And we appreciate you guys. We appreciate that you didn't have a friend who does the show telling you about it, mm-hmm. that you sought us out and you like it on its own merits. That is that is fantastic. Yes. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. No, but it's nice to talk about. Yeah. I guess what I was saying is we should behave in front of company, but we, we haven't to this point, so why we, start We now? should, but we probably won't. No, we probably won't. Uh, editing one of the recent episodes, I realized that I talked about people fucking more than I ever have. Yep. It was in The Perfect Mate, and I, just, I didn't even realize until I went back and edited it. Like, wow. I really I'm, talk about fucking a lot. And the thing, I'm no prude, but generally, I don't talk about that kind of thing on, on a show. Just because, mm. nah, I don't know. I don't, for whatever reason. I sure did then. Yep. The image of uh, Famke Jensen in 1992 with trill spots and, you know, so on. Yep. Made me think about fucking for some reason. Who who knows how the human brain works, Matt? <laughs> no one. That's the beauty of it. Yes. Yeah, stop saying that's the beauty of it. Okay. <laughs> Don't say a bit of business either. Damn it. How am I supposed to do a show if I can't say my two catchphrases? Uh, you, you wouldn't even say your other one for a while there. That's true. And I give it back to you. Because I have that power. <laughs> uh, the the thing about that is the, the the joke we had running about Matt's, you know, see you folks. And if he says it, the show has to end. So do, don't say it right now. We got, oh, we got some stuff to discuss. You, you have that power is the thing. <laughs> when you say that, the show ends. <laughs> so don't say it in the middle of the uh, the show or, you know, we can't keep going. Um, the thing about that is we've joked for a long time that it's going to go on a shirt. After the con, after the dust has settled and all the merch we were doing and special shirts and so on, one of my top priorities is putting out shirts that you can buy on our website. And Post-Stomach Horror shirts are the top of that list because we've made batches of them before and they look great. That logo just looks really great on a shirt. Mm-hmm. It it just it is beautiful. And uh, they are on the back going to say see you, folks. So that's all. It's going to be pretty awesome. Especially it'll, it'll, for me. Yes. Because as you walk away, yep. the you, show folks. will be ending. Oh, ah, shit. Damn it. Oh, I, I just realized. Hello, friends. There. Ah, I, I have the power to start it. Okay. We're like those ancient gods. My word begins things and your word ends things. All right. So this is supplemental episode 13. Oh. Our, our crossover with Sarcastic Voyage. I'm surprised we've never done that. I'm kind of glad we haven't. On the I line, hate we. Those guys. This is Alan Matt, and on the line, we have Matt and Al. How are you guys doing? Fuck you. Well, we did a little sketch about that. Oh, good. You got sketches, do you? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, safe journeys. <laughs> that doesn't end this show, so we're good no, there. we're safe. That show never ends, apparently. Those guys just go on and on and on. Ugh. Not like us. Tightly scripted show. Yep. <laughs> we're not playing it loose at all. I thought we were playing it loose. I don't know what's happening anymore. I, I don't know. I don't either. Let's, let's talk about Star Trek. Though. All right. We were going to do, like I said, we were going to do sort of a mid-season or mid-series wrap-up. We're, we're a little past the halfway point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that would have been mid-season four. But still, we're, we're a little more than halfway through. And I kind of wanted to talk about our general impressions, specifically about what we expected. We talked about this a little in the last supplemental. What we went in expecting to find and, and what we ended up thinking. Because that 
with the original series was there were two very different things. And we're finding that here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I mean, why don't you... Uh, I'm sure you, you've thought of this. I'm sure you've, you've given, you know, as we go, sort of consideration as to what, what you, you know, what you thought Next Gen was, what you expected. And, you know, apart from that thing we talked about last time about we still like the original series more. Yep. Like, what other things have really surprised you? I think how much attention I've paid to the actors this uh, on this season, around this mm-hmm. series. Like, that's not usually, that's not something I've ever, ever, ever thought about while watching a TV series, you know? Any TV series? Not really, really no. That might be me, then, because I always do, and if I'm talking about it, it might get you thinking about mm-hmm. it. But, um, like, the, as we've been going further and further along in uh, TNG, like, just watching these guys become these characters has just been like this amazing process. And I mean, you'll notice I, I started talking about it last week, like how much, uh, how much time I spend, like how much, how much of my good things are just um, marveling at how good these people are or what they do. Yeah, they absolutely are. And my, my thing that I keep saying over and over again is freaks mm-hmm. just because you don't expect him to be. He's no. the, on paper, he's the blandest character, but he was always my favorite. And I, I think he still is. Yeah. Like, I know you like Data and Jordy, and they're great. I do. But I think, who is your favorite character right now? I don't know. I would guess Jordy, but I mean, you you know. I really do like Jordy. Yeah. No, he's great. I don't know. With TNG, I don't really have a, uh, like, a favorite like I did with, uh, I mean, you know, original series, it's just, it was Bones. Yeah. Because every time he was on screen, it was like, hey, there's Bones. Yeah, he was their old pal. I don't know if it's because TNG has a larger cast. Or if it's I, more because it's more of an ensemble show than original Trek ever was. But, it is, but I mean, you know, come on, like <laughs> every show is a more ensemble show than than the original well, series yes. was. Most of those guys, like like Sulu and Chekhov and Hurd, were just there to be familiar faces on the bridge. Yeah, here, but they fill out this scene. But nobody had any character except the main three, right? And as it went, really, just Kirk, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Well, he had to have all the lines. Uh huh. Well, you know, it's a good thing he was so great, or else that would have been, you know. Yeah, if he was a bad actor or something, you know, that might have drawn, that might have made the series not as good. Right. Uh oh. Wasn't someone claiming recently that he was a good actor because of Turnabout Intruder? Yeah, Flunk was telling me about that yesterday. Um, well, that was like I, the I first thing was... I came back to when I got home from your place. It was a little thing from Flunk saying, "Hey, someone in this book I'm reading says that Shatner was a good actor because of uh, because of Turnabout Intruder." Mm. Now, if you I... like, if you like an actor who um, can so can most perfectly mimic, you know, a honey roasted ham, then yes, <laughs> yes, uh, Shatner is an amazing actor. If you want I someone mean... who can actually capture the nuance of a character, then you should maybe try somewhere else. Hmm. Well, where would you suggest? Uh, hell, I'd even take Nimoy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just go one guy over. <laughs> You're right about the acting, though. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right that most of the people in this ensemble are way better. I still don't think of it as an ensemble, though. As the show goes on, I realize it's about Picard, and then it's about the rest. Really? Because I absolutely... One of the things I think of when I think of TNG is that it's an ensemble show. I do, but I think of the ensemble, and then I think Picard. Hmm. He doesn't feel like part of it to me. He feels... And I think this is deliberate. He feels distanced from them. He feels... It's the poker game thing. Yeah. It was a big dramatic point in the finale where he joins the poker game for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's kind of dramatically the way it shakes out, that they're all palling around together, and he's, you know, he has tea with Beverly, and that's it. He's on his own. Yeah. It's, I don't actually, as much as Star Trek, uh, the the sort of the press around Star Trek talks about Horatio Hornblower, I don't have any idea what it is. No. But my understanding is that part of it is the loneliness of command. It's, you know, the captain having to dine by himself and, and you know, not fraternize with the crew. It, it might not be. And if it's not, I know that there is that in fiction. And I think that's part of what Picard is supposed to be. And as the series goes on, we start to see him soften. We start to see him warm up the kids to be more friendly with the crew. And it pays yeah. off in the finale. But right now I see it as when Picard is an episode, it really doesn't have much to do with anybody else. I can when you see had. That. When you had the perfect mate, that that was about him and her. Mm-hmm. When you have the inner light, he is literally off in another lifetime, and it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, we don't see anyone else for that entire episode, I think. They, no, they cut back to them trying to snap him out of the, the trance or whatever. Ah. But he doesn't interact with any of them. His main story, and Darmok, is him and that guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. And Tapestry is him and Q and the people in his past. Like, all the... All the good Picard episodes have nothing to do with the rest of the guys. Yeah, I can he, see that. All his major stories are are him. It doesn't bother me at all. No, I like I like the actor. I like the character, but I just see him as separate from the rest of them. Or at least when he's doing his best work. Well, I, I'm not even his best work. I mean, also that. Uh huh. But the episodes that focus on him seem to be him. It's not like a, a Picard and Riker story or Picard and Data story. It's always a Picard story, mm-hmm. which, again, is fine. I'm looking over the list of episodes here. I guess you could make an argument that Best of Both Worlds was sort of about him and the way the Enterprise crew, you know, sees him. I could how, see that kind how of. How losing him sort of makes things. I, I, yeah, no, I don't, th- I don't think that episode uh, was able, had enough time to sort of deal with that kind of thing. Well, it dealt with Riker like they, specifically. Riker a little bit, but, I mean, you certainly didn't get people like, <clears throat> you know, this is how we act when Captain Picard's gone. Yeah, I suppose that's right. I was thinking mostly from Riker's perspective. Yeah. But, I don't know, looking at looking at other episodes, I can't really think of any that focused on, you know, like I say, like, sometimes they'll do a Data and Geordi episode, mm-hmm. like uh, when they were you know, doing the Sherlock Holmes thing. Mm-hmm. But, Picard, like, Sarek was about Picard and a guest star. Yeah. They're that does really seem just... to be more the way. Like if, yeah, you know, like if they're going to do a Picard episode, he'll usually hook up with someone new rather than. I guess Final Mission was about Picard and Wesley, although Picard was sort of incapacitated for most of it. I'd say about half of that. Yeah, but it that's only really, really disappeared the only... in the last like quarter or whatever. That's true. But looking at most of these, he's really not. You know, he's really not a part of the ensemble to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that we're starting to see the poker games more. Yeah, that as, that, as we make our way into season five. In in my head, that had always been a big part of the show. Yeah, in my head too. It really hasn't been. Well, and that's one of those we go we went in with certain. I mean, those are little things. Mm-hmm. The expectations we had. Another one was I make that joke about Worf and shuttlecrafts, and the end of season five. It still only happened sort of half once. Yeah. We we talk about there being a lot of time travel, and I think that's only happened once mm-hmm. at the end of season five. Yep. A lot of stuff we thought was a big part of the show, isn't. Yeah. And, of course, the main point that I've come to from about mid-season five that you guys have heard me talk about on the show is there's very little exploring strange new worlds. No, it's mostly just trans... It's... The Enterprise D always feels like it's a courier service. Yeah. 
But I mean, I remember when the show was first on. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that into Star Trek, and I started getting into it. And I heard a lot of these guys older than me, a lot of the sort of first generation of really obsessive nerds. Mm-hmm. The guys who brought Star Trek back. Yeah. You know what I mean? The first real nerds to me. The first, the people who got into D&D when it first came out. Those kind of people. Yeah. Our, our forefathers. 70s nerds. Yeah. Guys guys who were teased for being nerds before it was, you know, before it's like, yep, I'm a nerd, so yep. what? <laughs> Do I, something about it. Oh, they, you can't. <laughs> we, uh, we're probably your bosses now. Yeah. We probably invented the things that you're using. I mean, not us. No. We watch Star Trek and talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, other nerds. We're the boss of that, though. Well, of talking about Star Trek? On this podcast, yeah. I suppose that's true. Um, where was I going with that? I have oh, no idea. Those, those guys would go on and on about, well, oh, this next generation is okay, but, I mean, it's no original series, and they would go on and on about that. Like, well, no, it's not. Next, You know, it's better. Yeah. First of all, we've talked about that, how we're, we're not as invested in the characters. But it is, uh, the big point they used to make is that it felt so safe and bland. Yeah. And like they were always, like the captain always listened to everybody else. And they always did the safe thing. And they never really took chances. They never really explored anywhere. And I, I didn't get that at the time. Now I do. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid, I never noticed that. It was just, oh, yeah, they're going on adventures and crap. It's awesome. There is, like, that was the word that really struck me. They're not going on adventures. No. At all. And listen, we've we've said there have been some fantastic episodes. The best ones are sort of psychological explorations of character, though. There's not a lot of good sci-fi action in this no. show. It's not even a lot of that, like, pulpy sci-fi action. No. There, there's none of that. There's none of the hard sci-fi that I prefer. There's a little of it here and there. The Scotty episode has a Dyson Sphere, mm-hmm. which is a really cool sort of hard sci-fi idea. But it's just sort of an incidental, they find it in the background and they never bring it up again. Yeah. Which is too bad. Do you, do you know what that is off the top of your head? Uh, it is a, like it's a shell built around a planet, right? Or around it's, a sun? It's around a sun. Basically, it's at the at the, uh, the the diameter that it would, like the Earth would be. Mm. So that you're capturing 100% of the sun's energy instead of the tiny amount you get, you know, hmm. it's picking up rays from the planet. Yeah. So it's huge. And it, it's, like, totally self-contained because, you know, you get all the energy you're ever going to need. Yeah. It is a super cool sci-fi idea. Like, they, they do a similar concept in the Ringworld books, which I love. Mm-hmm. And they find Scotty there, and they do a really good episode with Scotty, and they never mention the Dyson Sphere again. It's just, they don't care. Yeah. And again, that was a great episode. I loved it character-wise, but where, you know, the sci-fi just seems like, ah, brush it off to the side. I mean, occasionally they'll run into a cool space monster. I'm looking at, like, Galaxy's Child or, I mean, there's been a few where they find, at Farpoint, even we like the jellyfish monsters there. But Not as much as Grappler's Horn, but, you know. (laughs) Grappler's Horn. Okay, tell me this. Did you expect, going into Farpoint, that we would latch on to Grappler's Zorn? I would not have known that Grappler's Zorn would be the thing we would latch on to, but... I knew we would find the. I knew we would somehow find the Mister Hengus of uh, TNG at some <laughs> yeah, but point. Did you think it would happen right off the? No, like the that pilot? was a surprise. Like Mister Hengus came in, I don't know, season two or something. Yeah, this was right out of the gate. But I, I, I figured, I figured he was in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm just. I'm looking over the episodes, and all the best ones are the are the character ones, which is totally fine. I'm I'm totally up for that. But mm. this could be any drama. 
the setting of space is almost incidental. Yeah. Like a lot of these stories, you need a core of sci- like for Sarek, for instance, you got to have a race that's telepathic for that to work. Yeah. Best of both worlds, you got to have the board, but really. The focus of, I mean, Family was one of the best episodes there was, and it was it was a dude mud wrestling with his brother in a vineyard. Yep. Like, there was, and it was great, but... It, but it was a dude mud wrestling his brother yeah. in a vineyard. We, we had one where we followed a, a robot around in a typical day. We had one where a, a former military guy, or a, a military guy who was someone's former commander snapped. I mean, these are all stories you could tell elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot that's uniquely Star Trek about this. Which is just weird. Yeah. And, you know, I keep saying this, but really, it's not that I don't like the show, but it seems to be missing an important element of Star Trek to it. It it feels like really, like, early, like, in the, when they were, you know, putting the show together, Mm. they felt this need to move away from the, like, the campier parts of Star Trek. Mm. But it became this thing where, like... It became this thing where the show became almost stuffy. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this attitude that, like, you know, everyone has to be this really classy. Well, and we had early, you know, early season one, even into season two. Mm-hmm. A regular catchphrase of ours on the show was shut up, future man. Yep. Because there would be that smugness. There yep. would be that, you know, we're we're the best. And, and I always attributed that to Gene believing the press that the show was so revolutionary and so you know whatever yeah progressive and be progressive don't tell us you are yeah no i i, I feel like that was a huge like thing for the, for this show was just we, we have we, we have to be better than the original series the original yeah. series was cheap looking and like you know it was pulpy and stuff we can't be any of that we all we have to be very classy and very grown up but at the same time you get q q is trelane mm-hmm and he is campy. I mean, Q Who, he was pretty damn serious. And Tapestry, he's pretty damn serious. But otherwise, he's an imp that shows up to do magic and fuck with the crew. Yeah. Which is, I love him, but that is totally, like, high camp. Mm. Like, I mean, hide and Q. Hey, Riker, you want some powers? We'll fight some pigmen. Wee. <laughs> well, that was I just dumb. Well, yeah. But you know what I mean. Even, even like, um... Deja Q, or especially Cupid, mm-hmm. he just, he, you know, it's him being wacky. And I like it, but it's, you know. That's true. But I, I agree with what you're saying overall. I, I, it, it just, it feels like all like all of the characters have a very sort of bland adultness well, to them, you know? Part of it's that sort is... Of the way, it's sort of the way how, like, whenever they want to do something, like, they have a concert, you know? Yeah. Or, like, they do, you know, like, they put on a Gilbert and Sullivan show, which I but, guess doesn't really count because it's a musical or something. But, it, yeah. Let's no, Gilbert I, and Sullivan more like Cyrano de Ber- the Cyrano de Bergerac thing they had to do. Like, well, it's, it still seems like culture. It still yeah. seems like they're going out to see a, a show, which is already a bit of, a, of an old classic now. Mm-hmm. And by then it would be 500 years old and presumably even more of a classic if they're still doing it. Yeah. So it's not... You know, it, it's going to the theater. They're always going to, you know, piano recitals or theater stuff. I mean, there's never... I mean, I don't know what you would do, but not that. Yeah. I, I always attribute it to you don't want to... You don't want to try to predict what future entertainment will be like and look terrible. They did that in the game and it looked terrible. Mm-hmm. 
So rather than that, they're using something we can relate to. We know what Shakespeare is. We know what Gilbert and Sullivan is. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's not the, like, just because... I know. You know. Well, let's, okay, let's talk about Deep Space Nine for a minute then. All right. That show didn't have that feeling. No, it did not. What did those guys do in their off time? Oh, I mean, they did, you know, similar stuff, but, like... <laughs> they did it cooler. Yeah, basically. No, I don't know, like, Bashir... I mean, like, when uh, when Bashir was on his off time, him and, uh, he would go off and be like James Bond. Yeah, he uh, Bashir and O'Brien would always go on the holodeck and basically play video games. Yeah. They would go simulate a war or simulate being spies or, That's you know, whatever. Cool. It is cool. And it's essentially what you do, and and most gamers do, mm -hmm. is you go pretend you're this crazy thing for a while. Only because it's the holodeck, it's immersive, and it's, you know, you get to put on a costume and actually do it. Yeah. But it's still playing video games, essentially. I and, mean, uh, Cisco and base. I mean, I don't like baseball, but I thought it was fine that he did. Uh, yeah, but baseball feels like one of those things. Mm -hmm. It feels like here's a 20th century thing that he's doing. That that felt, regardless of my thoughts on sports, that still felt boring. Just like going to a recital. Just like you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it was too relatable. It was too, I don't know, safe. <coughs> that, that I didn't care. I did like that there was a guy who was devoted to this old thing that wasn't around anymore. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't put that in the category of, you know, this is a cool thing he did. That, that felt a little nerdy to me. Yeah. Which I like. But it doesn't make him, like, you know, doing something cool in his off time. Yeah. Where I, I, I assume Dax went and killed stuff. Oh, sure. But Worf does that now. Worf is okay in his off time. Yeah. Except he he's only... fighting Skeletor. <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't do all that crap unless they make him do it. Although he does have a yoga class. Yeah, that's true. No, it's 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 like warrior class. It's uh -huh. like uh, he's like he teaches martial arts. Uh -huh. No, it is. All right. He teach he does it with a batleth in his hand sometimes. <laughs> like he teaches them the the basic moves of you know swinging your arms around and then you put a fucking sword in your hand and swing that around. Yeah, here, kill Skeletor with this. Right. Who? Never mind. You know, ah, meh. <laughs> that's how we round out this supplemental. Just going meh back and forth. Yeah, of course. Overall, I mean, the show is definitely... I mean, this is obvious. It improved dramatically. Mm -hmm. If if season one had been the entire tone of the show, we probably wouldn't like Star Trek the way we do, and we probably wouldn't have, you know, probably wouldn't be doing this. No. The show got really good, but it got really good because of the characters. Like, that's it. That's, that's all they got going for them. It doesn't feel like a big sci-fi show. No. It doesn't feel like we're seeing interesting stories that we've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like DS9 became, like, brought the show back to being, like, genuine, you know, space opera. Right. Like, it's huge, and there's not just the, you know, the one, like, obligatory alien character. Right. Like, it's not all about the human, like, humans and the human equation. It's about this big, huge universe full of all this different stuff happening. And, and everybody is this one, you know... Like, one little place. It's got, like, new religions and, like, conflict and just all this yeah. cool stuff is happening. And weird shit coming out of a hole that yes! goes to the other side of the galaxy. It's not just ferrying vaccines back and forth. No. And the the Enterprise-D ferries a lot of diplomats and a lot of, like, what's the other big thing that they do? There, there's, there's, like... Diplomats, vaccines, and, uh... 
Uh, and, and scientifically helping planets with, like, uh, earthquake problems or yeah. climate problems. They've done a lot of that. And when Flunk was on a couple of weeks ago, he said he likes those kind of episodes. I like them okay. I don't mind if every tenth episode they're helping solve a planet with their phasers by relieving tectonic pressure or something. That's kind of cool. I just feel that walks a fine line between that and, you know, Mullity Rebels. Uh... And Mullity I use Re- Mullity Rebels as a thing to say, like, it, it's more of an all-encompassing, like, people on a planet about whom I do not care. Yeah. People on a planet who that hasn't really evolved beyond the 20th century yeah. Earth. They're humans. There's nothing interesting or weird or alien about their culture. No. And so it's hard to get invested in them in a sci-fi show. You want to see something like, we meet a Bajoran for the first time, or we meet a Trill for the first time, it's like, oh... What's this guy's deal? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always work out. It's not always interesting, but at least it's different than a human being wearing a coat. Yeah. A lot of those I've, seen, I've rebels, seen enough it's... human beings wearing coats. Yeah, it's winter. I'm a human being in a coat. We can step outside and see that. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I can see a lot of guys with mullets just uh, looking back through my photo album. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see that on, uh, on my sci-fi show. My God, this one is me. <laughs> Nope, no pictures of that exist. I had them all destroyed. Nah, not before I saw one. Oh, that's true. Uh-huh. The, the thing about DS9, and we keep saying that because we keep comparing this show to that and it keeps coming up short. Mm-hmm. Y- y- all that stuff you said is absolutely true. The main argument, and I made this argument, I was late coming to that show because I said, oh, well, that's just a space station. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. But as you said, they somehow being stationary managed to meet more different aliens and get involved with more stuff than the Enterprise-D has with free reign on the galaxy. Yeah. Which is just bizarre. Well, I mean, it's just, like, I think part of it is that it's not, you know, I mean, ostensibly it's a Starfleet station, but it's not a human station. Right. No, and you and when you go into Quark's bar, it's run by a non-human. There mm-hmm. are all kinds of non-humans in there. Yeah. And because it's a station, you got a lot of people coming and going. Yeah, it's like a high... Uh... It's got a high degree of tra- like of traffic coming through it. Right. And so it's also not just, you know, the same Starfleet guys we see every week. No, in fact, they're often way out of the range of Starfleet guys, and if something bad happens, they're on their own. Yeah. Oh, the nearest help is a week away. Well, Cisco's got to handle it before that happens. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the the thing I heard in uh, one of the DVD extra features for that, for DS9, was because it's a station... They can't ride off into the sunset. No, everything... they can't. You can't leave a guy on a planet. No, everything you... that happens has consequences, and next week it's still here, and you still got to deal yeah. with it. And that's what made it more interesting. And again, our last big supplemental, we talked about how we liked the previous show more. We often talk about how we like the next show more. Mm-hmm. We always like. We have a really hard time just saying this is a good show. It's yeah, but it, it's not as good as what came before and what's coming later. Yeah, and, but we never did that with the uh, original series. No, because we didn't know until it was over. Wow, mm-hmm. this was quite good. I just, I, I never thought that we would see this as sort of the decent one between the two good ones. Yeah, that has to be the most surprising thing about this entire... Yeah. That may be the most surprising thing about, the, about all of doing post-atomic horror. So far. Is, yeah. I mean, you know... We, it might turn out that I really like Voyager for some reason. <laughs> But um, I, I am not prepared for that, but I am prepared to say Enterprise is nowhere near as bad as I think it is, mm. because I know so little about that. I know enough about Voyager to know I'm probably not going to warm to that. But, we'll, you know, we will go in as we have with everything else. We will joke 
like crazy, but we will go in seriously with an open mind. Mm-hmm. At the, at the, if nothing else, it's amazing what Stockholm Syndrome will do to people. <laughs> Look, we got to do that all seven seasons, which on this show equates to about two years of show. Yeah. We got to settle in. We want to like it. We don't want to, like, we don't want this to feel like a tedious thing every week. Well, on the one hand, I get to talk to Matt. On the other hand, uh... I just don't want to be that guy who who waited through 20 years of The Simpsons and only liked the first 10. Well, but on the other hand, on the other hand, the first 10 were the best ones. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't help that. We'll see when we get there, but it's just so weird. We're so antsy. This show's pretty good, but Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to get on to the next thing. You'll be doing other stuff. Yeah. I, I expected this to be my favorite or at least my second favorite. Yeah. I expected to be way more invested in the characters. I expected, I expected to live up to the, what the opening credit says, explore strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations. That so rarely happens. Yeah. And looking over the list here, like I say, most of my favorite episodes are just good character stuff. There's so little else. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this too. There are almost no enemies. No. I think this show, like Gene, one of Gene's ideas was they should try to do shows with a certain type of conflict, but not direct fighting conflict. Like there should be dramatic conflict, but not, you know, conflict conflict. Mm-hmm. I think that is a hard thing to do. I, Putting aside that I think that's stupid, looking at it objectively, I think it's possible. If you do it right, you can make for a fantastic episode, but it's really hard. Yeah. Darmok was like that. Uh, Iborg was like that. And I can't think of many others. Like where you really force... There's not really any direct conflict. You really force the people to look at something a different way. Yeah. And that's that's the drama. And I that's sort of Gene's vision and I, I think it works when it works, but it usually doesn't. No. I, there's no enemy. There's no one like there was the Borg, and as we well know, we'd rather them not be around a lot. Yeah. We I mean, even at the time, even when I was watching the show as it aired, I knew they were the big ones. You can't keep fighting them or it would cheapen them. Yeah. We never see them come full on again until First Contact, where they had the budget to show shit, they're coming for Earth. Mm. And that's it. Who else? I mean, the Romulans are always sneaking around. Yeah, but I mean, like, the Romulans, like, that's the first one. Like, they haven't, they've never lived up to their potential in TNG. Like, from the very first episode, they show up, say, hey, we're here, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, what, are in the background for the rest of the series. Right. You know, they pop up once or twice to be vaguely menacing, but... Well, I'm looking at the list for season five. Like, they hit them hard in season three. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal, like, they they did, um... But, I mean, they certainly never hit the heights of the original series. Like, Mm... they were never Balance of Terror or uh, Enterprise incident-worthy. That's true, but I'm looking at uh, The Enemy, which is where (sighs) Jordy was stranded on that planet. Beautiful, uh... Or no, uh, um, what am I thinking of? The Defector. Uh, the Defector, which was a couple of weeks later. Also mm-hmm. a great one. Like, there were a handful of really good ones in Season 3. That's what, like I said, that's where they hit them hard. Yeah. But, I mean, they never come back to that. No. Season 4, I'm looking, they were, like, there was Future Imperfect, which is somebody tricked Riker. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and that ended up being not Romulans anyway. That was that kid. Yeah. So you got, 
looking, and I might be forgetting, like I'm looking at titles and trying to think right off the top of my head. Uh, but I don't think they pop up again in season four until the very end, until Redemption, yeah. where you find out they're behind the, the Klingon Civil War. But I mean, these guys should be, yeah, these guys should be the real ongoing threat in no. TNG. The biggest thing they've done is manipulate the Klingons against each other. Yeah. They haven't done a lot against the Federation at all. Like, these are your villain. These are the only other villains you brought over from the original series. Like, we yeah. made the Klingons our friends. We've got one on the bridge. Mm-hmm. So that's them done. You know, we tried setting the Ferengi up as the big deal. We pissed that mm-hmm. down our leg almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So then you bring the Romulans back in the, what was it, the last episode of season one, right? Yep. And that was supposed to be it. This is your big cliffhanger. They're, you know, they're back. Remember yeah, these and, guys from the original series? Yeah, anyone who knows them from the original series is like, ooh, yeah, I remember them. Awesome. And that entire episode boils down to literally, we're back. Yeah. Which so is, you, you know, they couldn't do... assume these are going to be the guys. These are going to be the guys that are going to be the huge yeah. threat for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, we might, you know, do something with the conspiracy aliens. Yeah. And nothing, you know? Nope. Just... Almost nothing. And it just sort yeah. of moves away from having this this threat to just, be, you know, yeah. We turn the Enterprise crew into like they're basically a cleanup crew. Yeah, more or less. You know, they help they help colonies, they help diplomats, and that's it. It's never it. It doesn't feel like it's about exploring, and it doesn't feel like it's about defending the Federation. It feels like they're a like it feels like they're basically a fire truck. <laughs> Yep. Traveling around space, putting out fires, getting cats out of trees. Well, in fairness, Spot does like trees. Well, yes. And Data is very, well, he's not sad, but, you know. He, he wishes to he not be, Not be as good as his, at his duties. Distracted, yeah. let's say. <laughs> Basically robot sad. Yes. Uh, you're <laughs> comparing it to a fire truck. <laughs> While absolutely absurd, is completely dead on. <clears throat> You were absolutely right. <laughs> or, like, not the police, but, like, the security guards who show up, like the, you yeah. know, mall cops. Yeah, the mall cops, the transit cops, whatever. Because, yeah. I mean, you get the Cardassians. Yeah. But they're, I mean, I don't know if they intended to save them for DS9, but that's really where they shine. Yeah. And the only other time I can think of where they're a big deal is um, uh, Chain of Command. Yeah, which will be coming up soon. Yeah, and that is one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. But they're not facing off against them hardly at all. The last time they showed up, which is the first time they showed up, it was like they were trying to make peace with them and, and things were a little shady maybe, but they were, you know, they were playing along. Yeah, again, it's like these are these guys. We had a war with them that mm-hmm. we don't talk about mm-hmm. that O'Brien was in. But, you know, we're not, you know, they'll show up a couple of times, whatever. Yeah, and and this crew of them is friends. They just mm-hmm. want you to do something about your, your rebel uh, uh, Starfleet guy. But they're, you know, they're cool. And fake Gul Dukat was, like, upset that his guys were trying to, you know, tap into the Enterprise. He, you know, he was a cooperative dude. Yep. So <laughs> that's not really an enemy at all. They hinted at the end that he might be shady, but that's it. There was yep. no direct conflict. And then, you know, basically that guy disappeared. Yep. You know, I, uh, you know, in season three, we had Tom Malak and we went on and on about how finally Picard's got a like a, a guy that's, you know, his equal. Mm-hmm. Like Q doesn't count because Q can show up whenever he wants. And there's well, no. Yeah, and at this point, Q's basically basically a good guy. Well, that but also there's no outsmarting Q. Yeah. You can't match wits with Q because he's always going to win. I mean, you can't. But also at this point, they've taken his teeth out. Yeah, that's a good point. They have seen him naked. Yeah. That but I mean, kinda, like, there's no, you know. there's no sending the Enterprise off to, uh, off to the, to get massacred by the Borg. 
which that's I mean true. wasn't really his deal in the first place, but that's not my point. Yeah. You know, it's not about like f- getting the getting the crew fighting. It's not about judging. Yeah. Them at, at least that we're aware of anymore. No, it's I'm... just you know he hang he fucking last time he showed up he was helping Picard out. Yeah. He was trying to get Picard laid. Well, and in tapestry he'll do the same thing. And yeah. the trying only... to get, get Picard laid. <laughs> And the only other time he shows up until the finale, he's dealing with sort of internal Q matters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he doesn't really threaten them at all. No. That's a good point. And that's like our first villain right there. Yeah. No, uh, and... I am not going to Dane Groppler Zorn with the designation <laughs> villain. I will never not laugh when you mention Groppler Zorn behind a desk where Spider Man belongs may be the funniest <laughs> thing. <laughs> with a picture of Groppler Zorn behind him. Oh Christ! <laughs> With a fire truck coming on, <laughs> coming uh, like in the background, just on its way. These are the voyages of the USS Fire Truck. The Fire Truck D, Matt. It's it's one in a series <laughs> of uh, of fire trucks. Yeah, I'm. <sighs> again, I I just yeah. So need there to, are problems with TNG. But I need to emphasize we like the show. There's weeks we show up where we're like, "Wow, this is great," but it's never like this is the best Star Trek can do. Yeah. It's like I, this is the best this show can do. I, I we we talked about this in the uh I like in the original yeah. series is better than TNG show, but there were never there were never weeks where I didn't want to watch original series. Oh, I, there were for me. No. Cuz even even the worst episode, mm. I would still like I would still happy to watch. Eh, I disagree there. But there are episodes of TNG that are just so fucking boring. The difference is most of the bad original series, and let's be clear, there were plenty of those. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying there weren't. No. I, and some people are like, well, how could you like that show? It was so cheesy. Yeah, of course it was. It, at its worst, it was terrible, mm-hmm. but it was terrible in, in the way that there were really bad things happening that we could make jokes about. Because this is a fairly, fairly serious discussion, but we are primarily a comedy show. Theoretically, yes. <laughs> and if if there's a white furry gorilla with a horn running out there, that's funny. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that shit all day long. If we just got a boring episode, like recently we did Imaginary Friend, there's not much to say there. No, that just results in a short show. Yeah, because like, well, there's no jokes. There's no serious points. I guess I could promote the live show again. All right, let's go home. Yeah. Well, I already am home. All right. That's the problem, though, is you're right. This show's bad episodes are not bad enough to serve our comedic purposes no. either. They're just boring. Yeah. Now, going into season seven, there's some bad that's funny. We always talk about more Lore's Magic Asshole, and <laughs> it's that's bad enough to be amusing. Yep. And as much as I hate Time's Arrow, too. Time travelers. I'm making fun of that guy. Yep. It's not even his character, it's not even his performance, it's that he's such a big part of that story. Mm-hmm. Every, like, at the, every act break is him showing up with his pistola. Like, ugh. <laughs> and then he blows up the Enterprise with it? <laughs> the Enterprise blows up again. <laughs> Take that, fire truck! <laughs> oh, somebody get the hose. <laughs> the hose was in the fire truck. <laughs> Yeah, but for the most part, the you're right. The bad episodes are just boring. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to watch boring. No, I hate boring. I want to watch really good or really bad. Yeah. Um, 
And the other thing we keep coming back to over and over again is those B plots. Yeah. This show loves telling a pretty, you know, even a, even a mid-level episode, a decent story. Not even a great story, but a lot of times a great story, mm. which then has to be padded out with some bullshit danger of the week. Yeah. That no, I mean, do you know anyone who likes this show who says, well... That thing about uh, that thing about Riker was okay, but I w- what I was really interested in was the moss that was threatening the ship's engine. Yeah, that was the good. What about story. when that goo attacked the ship? Nobody thinks that. No, nobody it... is watching the show for that. They're watching to see what the characters are up to, or seeing you know some cool sci-fi shit happen. Like that's the problem when you don't have when you when you're trying to keep your action in your show in your sci-fi show and. You don't have like you don't have any kind of recognizable villain. Yeah, all you have is natural disaster. All you have is the ship breaking. That ship breaks so much, and it shouldn't. It's supposed yeah. to be the best ship there is. It's like the fucking na- nacelles fell off again. Well, yeah. that'll keep us busy when we're not talking about Riker's dad. Yeah, or whatever well, the fuck is going on this week. Bill Senior is maybe not the best example. No, of, but I mean, you know. you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. And they feel like, and that's an old school TV thing, is what that is. Mm-hmm. That's not just this show. That is the way they thought TV had to well, work. I mean, and that's just, you know, that's TNG being a product of its time. Yeah. We're and in season six, and we're going into season six, and that'll be in 1992. Yeah. Which is the year I graduated, and, you know, I remember what TV was like then. It was not very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, even then I knew that, but looking back, it, there's there's a few good shows here and there. Yeah. But you don't have the choice of great stuff like you do. There's a lot of good shows I don't watch just because I'm watching so much already. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I will turn everything off if Breaking Bad is on, for instance. We didn't have that kind of choice back then. It just was not... It's this or Cheers. (laughs) TV, and half the time there was a crossover between the two shows. Well, yeah. I guess it wasn't this or Cheers, because they were on at different times. Right, that's true. TV was was seen as where failed movie stars went. Mm Mm-hmm. If, if you couldn't hack it in the movies anymore, you went to TV. Now it's reputable enough that movie stars will come, you know, come to TV. Alec Baldwin has made a much larger, I would say much more successful career on 30 Rock than he ever did at the movies. Oh, totally. And there's a lot of guys like that. There's guys like John Hamm who are doing much better work on Mad Men than they do in their bit, you know, parts in movies because... Mm. That's a great show, and he's a great guy. Cranston's getting work for Breaking Bad, but really, you know, because of that. But really, Breaking Bad's where he's doing it. You know, his, his, TV's great. Yeah. Now, TV back then was, this was good TV. This was the best they could do. And it's good. And I mean, that's fine. That's that's fine for when it was, you know, when it was yeah. on the air. But but now we don't have this need to always have a danger, to always, you know, do things a certain way. I am starting to see, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm starting to see the formula yeah. of a TNG show, and I should never see that. No. that That is a thing that exists that the writers know about. I, I'm not denying that shows have a, you know, have a step-by-step thing. Yeah, Here's but if the writing's good enough, you shouldn't be seeing that. Right. But I can totally see, okay, this is the the the, the act break between Act 3 and 4. This yeah. is how it happens next. I should not be aware of that. No. And unfortunately, the, the cracks are showing, and I can see that. Uh any any further things that you want to you want to point out? I mean, overall, I keep saying this over and over again, but I need to make it very clear: we like this show. Yes, there are a lot of really really good things about this show, but overall, it's just not as good as we expected it to be. No, and that's really sad. It's really of the three strongest, yeah, Star Trek series. 
It's the weakest one. It's the weakest one. And that is something that shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, me too. As we, uh, you know, as we're working our way through the show. Well, we're more than halfway through. Yeah. And I know there's probably 10 more great episodes mm -hmm. coming in the next 48. Name them. Um, <laughs> I bet I could. Yeah, I bet you could too. <laughs> that trick works often, but in this case, <laughs> I know my, I know my, my Star Trek. Uh, when we get to DS9, I don't. No. Because I remember, I could tell you when I started watching, okay, this whole season's great. Mm -hmm. Once, you know, once they start fighting that war, it's all good. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, um, this is it for us for our big appearance at Emerald City. We, we have, really hope to see you there. Yeah. We have, we have said this many times. This will be the last time we promote this. The next episode you hear will be us there, either flailing and panicking or doing the best work we've ever done. There is no middle ground as far as I'm concerned. Nope. I hope it's the second one. Yeah, me too. I really can't. I don't think I could deal with that if it wasn't. No, you know what? Last year, I feel like one of our strongest shows was at the show we did. and was mostly our friends. We had a few strangers there. But I think we can do this. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think we got a good thing to look forward to. And if you can't make it there, we are audio recording it for sure. Hopefully, we'll be able to video record it as well. Mm -hmm. And we will make all that available to you at no cost. And, and you can, you know, you can hear what we got up to. Of course, if you can't make it, we also put a curse on you. Uh, well... If you're Brandon Braga and you believe curses exist, then yes. sure. I will give you some kind of a virus with nanites. Brandon Braga's life is a magic potion. <laughs> All right, Matt, let's say it together for a change. All right. One, two, three. See, See ya, ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.